Hey guys, good morning again. Good to see you guys here today. Um, I got to tell you, they did so good. Just want to echo what Pastor Ivan said. The kids did an amazing job. You don't know this though, but the real show was down here. After the preschoolers got off stage, you should have had a front row seat and just saw what they were doing. Uh, anyway, all right. So excited that you're here. I want to say, I know I acknowledged you earlier, Brenda, we are so grateful for you. Thank you for all that you do behind the scenes that nobody but Jesus knows about. Church, can you join me in giving her a big hand clap? Christmas decorations, Christmas productions, dances, there's all sorts of stuff that Brenda has her hands in, and we are so grateful for you, girl. Well, last week, guys, we kicked off a sermon series called The Best Christmas Gifts, and uh, we looked at the best Christmas gift. We looked at Jesus, and I am excited to tell you at the end of the service last week, we had the salvation prayer, the prayer of salvation. And there were three people last week who gave their heart to Jesus. Come on, give somebody, give God a great big round of applause. Give him an offering of praise. That's why we do what we do. That's, there's nothing better than that. And so I got to tell you, when we launched, we launched a little bit over two years ago, and it was our goal that we would see the unchurched and the dechurched come to church, that we would be a church where people would feel comfortable, where they would feel like they could belong before they believe. Guys, I'm telling you, so I'm a part of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes here that on the University of Mount Olive. It is amazing what God is doing at this university in the lives of those students. It is amazing. I'm also a mentor in one of the public schools. It is amazing what God is doing in the public school system. It is amazing. You see it in your workplace. It is amazing what God is doing in Mount Olive. I can't help but think he's up to something special. And so I'm so glad that we get to be here, that we get to be a part of it, that God has divinely positioned us in this place for such a time as this. And so we're excited for what's happening. Three people getting saved last week. Uh, we have seen dozens be water baptized this year here at our location. And so, hey, to God be all the glory. Tell you some more good news. As a church, we've been kind of tracking salvations year to date, just seeing the health. Healthy churches see people take next steps. And so year to date, we have seen 253 people through the ministries of the bridge, through the bridge Princeton, through the bridge Mount Olive, through the bridge Goldsboro. We have seen 253 people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Let's give God a hand clap of praise one more time. For what he's doing. Let me just tell you why that's so important. Guys, when God gets ready, you, you know God is God the Father. He has a Father's heart. When he gets ready to have a new baby Christian be birthed, he's looking for mentors. He's looking who will be warm, who will be helpful, who will help that person along their next steps and guide them down this road. Uh, uh, to deepening maturity, and we're just so honored. You know, 253, we clap, and yeah, that's awesome. 
But 253 people is, an, uh, is a responsibility. It's a responsibility that God has given us to be fathers and mothers to these baby Christians to help people along the way. And so that's why we pound bridge groups unapologetically. If you come to this church for very long, you're going to hear us talk about bridge groups because it is such an important way for us to be able uh, to study the Bible together, for us to be able to have fellowship. And so it's a big deal. Anyway, I won't keep going with that. I certainly could, but we're so grateful for what God is doing in our midst. Well, I told you this Christmas series is called The Best Christmas Gifts, plural. And uh, so certainly Jesus is the best gift. But today I want to talk to you about another gift. I want to talk to you about the gift of peace. Anybody wish they had a little bit more peace in their lives? Come on, raise those hands high. Let me see you. Those of you who did not raise your hand, what is wrong with you? you? We all need some more peace. So when I was a kid, I guess I was a rambunctious little guy. My parents used to say to me all the time, and just help me out if you know it, I need a little peace and quiet. Yeah, some of you, your parents told you that too. I need a little peace and quiet. And now that I'm a parent... I understand on a whole new level. You parents with me, you guys know. So the other week, about a week and a half ago, I've got two little boys. I've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And uh, the other week, we're just having one of those mornings. You know what I'm saying? One of those mornings, struggle bus type material. And so I get shoes on one and then I put coat on the other, and then this one has his shoes off. What are you doing? We're trying to go. And so, I mean, it's just like that the whole morning. That, golly. And so then, right before we get ready to walk out the door, my three-year-old wants some more milk, and the lid's off. How did the lid get off? We don't. And so he dumps it all over himself, and we're back at square one. And during the middle of me changing him, I look at him and say, you boys are driving me nuts. To which he immediately yelled back at me, no, we're driving daddy's truck. <laughs> ah, you know, at this point, just... Can't get to daycare quick enough. <laughs> Hear me, guys. Whether you have kids or not, whether the Christmas season stresses you out or not, we all need peace in our lives. And so I've got this question that I want you to hear and I want you to process. Not just right here while we're together. I hope you'll write this down and, uh, and take it with you and begin to process it this week. Here's the question. Where do you go to find peace? Where do you go? Where do you go to find peace? For some people, it's a place at the beach. For some people, it's a deer stand. For some of you ladies, it might be some retail therapy. You found a little peace yesterday. <laughs> 
For some of you, maybe it's working out. I, I don't know where it is, but we all have places and things that we go to to find peace. But I would just submit to you, there is another place I want to suggest where we can find peace. See, peace is one of the reasons that we celebrate Christmas. Jesus came to this earth to give us peace. The Bible has a lot to say about peace. When I was researching this sermon, I found there are 790 verses on peace in the Bible. God has some stuff to say. And so what I've done is I've listed them all out and we're going to go. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to go through all of them, but I do want us to go to where we see uh, God talking about peace in the Christmas story. We're in Luke chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles and you want to open there, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. Last week we looked at verses 1 through 12 and we saw Mary and Joseph. They've been uh, told they've got to go register for the census. They go from Nazareth to Bethlehem. They get there. The Christ child is born. And then the story cuts away from Mary and Joseph and goes to the shepherds who are in the field nearby. And verses 11 and 12 tell us, and this is where we kind of ended last week, that the shepherds were in the field and this angel comes to them and says, hey, a Savior has been born, a Messiah is here. So let's pick up in verse 13. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. I read that last part kind of weird. Let me do it again. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. We have the burden of familiarity, or really I say the problem of familiarity. We hear Christmas, the Christmas story all the time. These kids read the story. They stole my stuff right out from under me. We hear this story all the time, so it doesn't click to us. But think about how the shepherd, I mean, can you just imagine how the shepherds must have been feeling in the fields that night? So everything is clear. Everything's calm. It's just a normal night. Some of the sheep are grazing. Some of the sheep have bedded down for the night. The shepherds are getting ready to go to sleep themselves. This happens every night. Nothing unusual, nothing strange. It happens all the time. And then something terrifying happens. An angel shows up. An angel shows up. I say terrifying because over and over again, when you read scripture, when an angel would show up on the scene, most of the time their initial line was, don't be afraid. You know why the angel had to say that? Because people were afraid. They were scary. Whoa, what are you doing here? And so this angel shows up. And as if that weren't scary enough, Scripture tells us the glory of the Lord shone all around them. It went in an instant from being night, the sheep are settling down, to all of a sudden it is brighter than day because here is this angel. That's my angel sound. I don't know. It's the best I got. Work with me, people. And here's this angel and the glory of the Lord is all around and <laughs> glory. 
It's a full-on experience today. And so, as if that weren't scary enough, then we see in verse 13, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appear. They are everywhere. This great company of heavenly hosts appear. And it's right there. The King James Version says, At this point, the shepherds did wet thyself. (laughs) Not really. Don't check me on that. Just trust me. Trust me. As amazing as that sight must have been, these Angels, this great company of heavenly hosts that appeared suddenly. The message they had was far more amazing. Peace had come to earth. Peace on earth. Because now Jesus is on earth. And so everybody with me? Shepherds out in a field. Great company of heavenly hosts. So press pause right there. Now I want to... Go with me in your mind to 700 years before there is this prophet on earth named Isaiah. Last week, I told you there are over 300 prophecies about the Messiah. I don't know that I played it up enough. Guys, this is amazing. Jesus fulfilled every single prophecy. But it's not like a group of prophets got together in some back room somewhere and said, okay, I'm going to say this is going to be true of the Messiah, and you say that, and then you need to say this other thing. No, 700 years before Jesus was born, God dropped, he would drop little nuggets in the spirit of these prophets, and he would say, this is going to be true of the Messiah, write it down. This is going to be true of the Messiah. Write it down. These prophets lived in different places at different times. Some of them weren't alive when their contemporaries were alive. And so over 300 prophecies. We looked at the probability last week. So I won't go into all that. But if you want my sermon notes, I will gladly send them to you. Completely improbable that one person would be able to fulfill all of those prophecies. And yet Jesus does. And so here's what the prophet Isaiah had to say. Here's what God had shown him. Here is one of the prophecies of the Messiah. Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called. I want you guys to read this with me. Read this list with me. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting father. Prince of peace. Prince of peace. Jesus came to bring peace. Not only that, he is the prince of peace. When Jesus came to this world, he came to make peace by reconciling the world to God. So through Jesus, you can have peace in lots of different ways. Let me just acknowledge that right up front. But I want to look at two ways in particular just really quickly. Two ways you can have peace with God. Write this down. Number one, peace with God. Through what Jesus did, you can have peace with God. Say it all the time. Jesus came to this earth. He lived a perfect, sinless life. Then he went to the cross. God imputed 
All of our sin, all of our shame, he imputed that on Jesus. Jesus dies on that cross because of what he did on that cross. Now his righteousness has been imputed to us. When God looks at us, he doesn't see old sinner Andrew. He sees his righteous son. It is the imputation of righteousness Absolutely incredible because of what Jesus did on that cross. We can have a relationship with God. But I say that all the time. I think any pastor worth his salt should say that all. It's the central theme of our faith. It's the central theme of Christianity. Is what Jesus did for us will save us if we have a relationship with him. But I want to kind of change it up on you a little bit this morning. I want to talk about propitiation. Everybody say that word with me on the count of three. Propitiation. One, two, three. Propitiation. Okay, good. It's good. About half of you. Thank you. Propitiation. Now, that word means to satisfy or to appease. To satisfy or to appease. But when you use it in a theological context, it means to satisfy the wrath of God. Propitiation. It is to appease the wrath of God. I know what some of you are thinking right now. Whoa, 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 Pastor Hinder, the, the wrath of God? I thought God is love. What happened to that one? And what happened to, you know, God is good and gracious and merciful and kind? Hear me. God is all of those things. But God is also just. When Scripture tells us that when Jesus came to this earth, He came full of grace and truth. He came full of grace and truth. It, it would seem like those two were opposites, but they're not. They were working in unison in the life of Jesus. So yes, God is love, but God is also just. And so think about our justice system. You guys know this. If you do the crime, you have to do the what? You got to do the time, baby. If I go 100 miles an hour down 117 and the highway patrolman pulls me, he comes to the window, I don't just get to say, you know, if I'd have known that was wrong, I got to tell you, officer, I would not have done that. I don't get to say that. I don't get to say, uh, officer, I want you to tell your boss I am very sorry about this. That's great. I am glad you are remorseful. Here is your ticket. You can tell him in person. Because you're going to court, big boy. If you do the crime, you have to do the... You got to do the time. Same way, God is just. God is just. When we sin, it breaks God's heart. That's one aspect of what happens. But when we sin, God is righteous. He has a righteous anger, a righteous indignation. It makes him mad when we sin. He has done so much for us. How dare we? How dare we? Sin separates. How dare we knowingly, willingly separate ourselves from God? And so God has this this anger. 
God has this wrath. It's, it's a righteous wrath. He's not mad at you. He's mad at your sin. He hates your sin. Scripture tells us God hates sin. And so one of the most important reasons that Jesus came to this earth is to become the propitiation for our sin. Let me show it to you in Scripture. 1 John 4.10 <clears throat> In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us. God is lovable. God has always been lovable. God has done everything for us. That's not love that we love God. It's love that He first loved us when there was nothing good in Andrew Price. God loved Andrew Price. So in this is love that He loved us. And what did He do? He sent His Son to be, read that part with me, the propitiation for our sins. You should underline that in your Bible. You should bring that up a couple times this week. Just ask your coworker, do you know what propitiation is? Sit down, let me tell you. Guys, I, I, I joke a little bit there, but hear me. When, when we worship, one of the things that will transform your worship, you won't be able to keep your hands down. You won't be able to be still. You won't be able to not sing out praises to God when you understand what He's done for you. When you understand God loves me so much, He sent the best gift He could have ever sent. On my behalf. And that gift, Jesus Christ, became the propitiation for my sins. I owed a debt I couldn't pay. And because of what Jesus did, he paid it for me. And so I can be worshipful. I can be glad. I can sing out. Because I have peace with God. And you have peace with God. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, He has become the propitiation for your sins. But there's another kind of peace I want to show you. It's the peace of God. So you have peace with God, then you have peace of God. We, we sometimes get this confused. I said it earlier. Peace and quiet. We think those two somehow go together. That peace is synonymous with calm. That if, if things will get calm then they're peaceful. And so if God promises me peace, then God has promised me calm in my life. But then if you read other places in Scripture, you know that can't be right because we're told, we're warned, you will have trouble in this world. You, there will be trouble. There will be trials. There will be storms. There will be dark days. So what does it mean that we can have the peace of God? Peace is not the absence of conflict, but it is the presence of Jesus. Peace is not the absence of conflict, it is the presence of Jesus. Let me show it to you like this. You ever been in a scary situation and you were by yourself? Oh man, I mean the hair on the back of my neck wants to stand. It's like, it just makes it so much worse, doesn't it? When you're in a scary situation by yourself, it's like, oh man, every little noise, every little thing. I was going to tell a personal story there, but I thought, I'm not going to blackmail myself. So, <laughs> he's a little bit more wisdom than that. 
You ever been in a scary situation with someone? With someone who you knew they know what they're doing, they know how to handle themselves? It didn't mean you weren't in the situation. It just meant I don't have to be like scared out of my mind. Because it's not that I'm not in the scary situation. It's I've got someone with me. The peace of God is that everywhere we go, in the good times and in the bad, we have got God with us. Peace of God, peace with God. Jesus provides both. Jesus provides both. So here's what I want to do for for the rest of our time together. I want to kind of switch it up. Now that we know about the peace that Jesus provides, I want to talk about three sources of tension during the Christmas season. You know, the holidays can sometimes be kind of stressful. They can make us lose our peace and our joy. And so I want to show you uh, three common sources of turmoil. Number one, we'll just jump right in it. Peace in spite of strained relationships. Peace in spite of strained relationships. So I heard a story about this guy. It's back years ago. He was on a train. <clears throat> and he, his ticket was directly between two ladies. And these ladies, one is sitting near the window, and she's arguing, we got to leave the window up because I'm cold The other one's arguing, we got to put that window down. I am burning up. And so the gentleman sits down and these two ladies start going at it. And five minutes goes by. And then 10 minutes goes by. And 15 minutes goes by and he is getting his feel. I mean, he has had it up to here. When finally, as if sent from God, here comes the ticket taker. And the two women direct their attention to this ticket taker. And after listening for a few minutes, the ticket taker says, Okay, so why don't you want the window up? Well, I'm so hot, I'll burn up, I'll have a heat stroke. Well, why don't you want the window down? I'll get pneumonia and die if the window goes down. After listening for just a few minutes, this ticket taker said, I don't know what to do. The man in the middle He piped up and he said, I know, let's leave the window up for a while and we'll kill this one. And then we'll put the window down for a while and we'll kill that one. And then we will finally have some peace. You ever felt like that around the holidays? Don't raise your hands. Probably sitting with your family. Guys, maybe some of you are at odds with family or friends this Christmas, and there's just not much peace for you. So I think about for Mary and Joseph. Mary comes to Joseph and she says, I'm pregnant. Joseph knows we're just engaged. We have not been intimate. You've cheated on me. And so he's thinking about breaking off this engagement when this happens. Matthew 120 But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So what happened is Joseph was reconciled to Mary, and then the birth of Jesus stood to solidify their relationship. And therein lies an important relational dynamic. 
Reconciliation before resolution. Reconciliation before resolution. So let me give you an example. When, when Nicole and I, when we fight, it's only a matter of time until she realizes she's wrong. <clears throat> if she charges the stage, somebody stop her. <clears throat> no, it's usually the other way around, and I will admit that publicly. Uh, usually I am hot-headed, and then when I stop to think, I'm like, uh... Let me go eat some crow. I'm going to have to apologize. <laughs> the best thing I can do is to say, I know we're going through a problem, but I love you. You're my girl. We, I'm committed to you. I'm all in on this marriage. Let, let me show it to you. Come on up here, baby. Got a real life example for you. Come on, girl. So here's how it starts. We're together, and this, this pulpit is going to represent a problem. Well, we're together. Everything's good. And then one day, there's some friction. There's an argument. Something silly happens. And what happens? Now, all of a sudden, she's on that side of the conflict. I'm on this side of the conflict, and there is separation between us. Well, Common, you know, knowledge, logic would tell you, okay, well, to get back together, we've got to, you know, chop away at the problem. We've got to try to shoot down the problem. Has that light been blinking the whole time? <laughs> I've never seen you guys pay attention so good in all your life. It's because I had a strobe light behind me. That's amazing. Hey, keep it. Let's do it next week. So here's the problem. We begin to fire at the problem. Help me fire at the problem. She's got an automatic. <laughs> but do you see what's happening? As I'm firing at the problem, I'm hitting her. As she's firing at the problem, she's hitting me. Because we've tried to resolve things before we're reconciled. One simple difference. One simple difference. I love you. I'm committed to you. I, I care about you. I'm all in. We still have this problem. We don't need to sweep it under the rug. But now we can deal with it together. So now we're shooting. Yeah. How'd you do it? Okay. <laughs> so do you see what happens? We're on the same side of the problem. Now we're attacking the problem together. And my attacks at the problem don't feel like attacks on her. And her attacks at the problem don't feel like attacks on me. We're on the same side. We are one cohesive force like a team. We're attacking the problem. Thank you, babe. Go sit down. Love you. <clears throat> Reconciliation before resolution. It sounds small, but it's huge. It's huge. And it's not just marriage. Hear me. If you have conflict at work, if there's conflict in your family this Christmas season, Reconciliation before resolution will give you peace in spite of strained relationships. Let's look at number two. Peace in spite of stressful circumstances. So again, go back to the Christmas story. Mary and Joseph, they're 85 miles away from home. They've gotten there on the back of a donkey. How many of you know there was some stress? Now, 
Mary has had the baby in this place, away from home, away from the nursery. The baby's lying in a manger. How many of you know there was some stress? Now, as if all of that weren't stressful enough, they know they are facing an 85-mile trip back home with a newborn on the back of a donkey. Stress. I'm just here to tell you, stress all around. So what does that look like for us? We are going to face some stressful situations this holiday season. Whose family? Here's Here's a big one. Whose family are we spending Christmas with? And if we do your family on Christmas Eve and then my family on Christmas Day, but when are we going to go to grandma's house? And so it gets stressful. And then you talk about money and how much money are we going to spend on this person and how much money are we going to spend on that person? And I thought we weren't going to put money. I thought we weren't going to put gifts on the credit card again this year. And stress, stress all around. So we need to remind ourselves of the words of Scripture Romans 12, 18 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That is God's desire for all of us this Christmas season and every day of the year to live at peace with everyone. That's why there's 790 verses about peace. God wants you to live at peace. But you're looking at the first part of the verse. If it is possible... Pastor Andrew, if you would only meet my family, you would know it is impossible. I hear you. I've got some of those people in my family too. But if it is possible, live at peace with everyone. You know what we need to do? Honest to goodness, we need to take a lesson from a toddler. And when we are surrounded by stressful circumstances, we just need to put ourselves in time out. We just need to take some time before we say anything hurtful, before we do something we're going to regret, just take a time out. Pastor Ivan shared an acrostic with me the other week. So good. It's WAIT. W-A-I-T. Here's what it stands for. Why am I talking? Before you say anything, ask yourself, why am I talking? I've been using that for the past two weeks. I have been talking less and less. For some of us, we need to change that acrostic up a little bit. It needs to be, wah. Why am I angry? It'll help us gain perspective on the situation. Put ourselves in time. For some of you, it's ways. Why am I selfish? That one stings a little bit more, so we'll just move right on. Strained relationships, stressful circumstances, they can rob us of our joy and our peace. And I don't want you to be robbed this holiday season. So we're looking for peace. Number three, peace in spite of severe grief. I know there are people who are in this auditorium today. There are people, families represented in this church, and you've lost a loved one this year. And when you go to your Christmas celebration, there's going to be a seat that's empty. A seat that used to belong to grandma. A seat that mama used to sit in every year. A seat Uncle Ralph used to occupy, and now he's too sick to come. And it hurts. 
and it's painful. And you have every right to be dealing with that. I heard a story, and as far as I know, this story is true. It's the story of a mother. Christian mom, mother of two. Husband went off to fight in World War II. Right around Christmas time, she gets the dreaded letter. Husband has lost his life. His mom goes to her room and she cries for hours. When she comes out, all the Christmas decorations are down. Her mom and dad were there and they had taken them all out. Christmas tree is by the curb. And she looks at her mom and she says, Mom, why did you do that? Mom said, well, baby, you were so brokenhearted, it just seemed appropriate. just didn't seem right to celebrate this year. She said, let's put them back up. Christmas was made for times like these. Guys, hear me. Christmas is not just for those who are happy. Christmas is for those who need hope, too. And when Jesus was born in the manger that night, He represented hope that had come to this earth. Peace that had come to this earth. A few years later in His Sermon on the Mount, Jesus would say, Matthew 5-4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. If you're mourning, God will pull up beside you and comfort you this Christmas season. Psalm 34 says, The Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves the contrite in spirit. If you're brokenhearted, God loves you. He is near. He saves those. You can find peace in the person of Jesus. Will it be easy? Absolutely not. But peace is available. Let me finish our time together with this. Jesus was getting ready to leave earth. He's getting ready to leave his disciples. In John 14, 27, he says this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, the part I want us to key in on is peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Jesus says, my peace. When you look at this in the, ang- in the English, it looks like it's possessive tense. Well, I did some digging this week, and what I found out is that in the original Greek, same thing, it's possessive tense. Jesus is talking about my peace. My peace I give you. He's giving it to the disciples. He's giving it to his followers, even us all these years later. So now go back to the question I asked at the beginning. Where do you find peace? I think we should look with Jesus. Jesus owns peace and he will give it to us if we will ask. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for all those who are here today. Uh, Obviously, I know that in a crowd this size, there are those who are excited. It's such an exciting time. Uh, threats of snow and Christmas, you know, is here and uh, they're in stores and it's just, it's just a great time. But there are others 
who are here and there's some strained relationships and there's some stress and there's some grief that we're processing through. And so God, we come to you right now. You know, it's easy to say things like, oh, the peace with God and peace of God. Lord, you tell us in your word that you are the Prince of Peace. I pray that you would help each and every one of us under the sound of my voice, each and every one who's listening online. I pray that we would experience that peace this year. That, God, we would know you, yes, as our Savior, yes, as our Lord, yes, as the God who is gracious and forgiving and loving and kind. And But I pray that something special would happen in our hearts right now in the name of Jesus, that we would experience peace. Not because everything's calm, not because everything's going our way, not because we've got, you know, we're just flush with money, but peace even in the dark days, peace even in the troubling times. God, you've got so much to say about peace. It is your desire that we would be able to live at peace on this earth. I pray that you would give us the power and the strength and the wisdom to do that. Pray it all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen.